Here's a message from Ken Lavica. Yes, the Jets are a tragic dumpster fire. And yes, the front office has been run by putzes. But for poor Sam Darnold, poor, poor Sam, doesn't he take some of the blame? Maybe a little of the blame? Just maybe? McLovin? Hey, hey, McLovin. McLovin hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. No, no, no. Stick around. Hang out with us. Cool. Yeah, we'll stay and hang around with you. Stream the show on the free ESPN app or on your Alexa, Google, or Siri smart speaker. Turn it up! Turn it up! Spin your lunch with Ken by calling 888-760-3776. Are you crying? Oh, my Lord. I am sorry, honey. Please don't. Could you get your daddy on the phone? Don't hang up, please. I- From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVeca Live on ESPN 106.3. Kids, let's do lunch on this Tuesday. ESPN 106.3, free ESPN app, or on your smart speaker. Hey, Alexa, hey, Siri, hey, Google, play ESPN 106.3. We are in the ESPN West Palm and John Levine Action and Attorney Studios from the Phillips Point Towers, downtown West Palm, right off the sun-kissed intercoastal. I'm Ken Levicka, and back from retirement, radio retirement for one day, one day only, until we ask him again and force him out of his TV role, it is Brian McLovin Rowitz. If you want to talk to us, 888-760-3776, 888-760-ESPN. You can tweet at the show, at ESPN West Palm, and of course, Ken Levicka Live is presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Dr. Jim Reardon, that man is a saint, and he has spent 21 years preparing the sports executives of tomorrow. You can take courses on campus, take courses online, just take the courses. The FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Find out more at fau.edu slash MBA Sport. Uh, McLovin, uh, to what do we owe the pleasure of you coming out of retirement here on this Tuesday? Uh, Your co-host quit after one day? <laughs> he did sort of just bail yeah. out. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so he got his second COVID mm-hmm. shot uh, today, and he was concerned about side effects because apparently round one didn't go particularly <laughs> well. You had round one this morning, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, 8.30 appointment. It uh, was really painless. Like, I hate needles, but guarantee taking the Band-Aid off of my hairy arm is going to hurt more than the needle did. Yeah, yeah. That so, I didn't even yeah. think about that aspect Yeah, that's of it. never fun. That is a tragic outcome. It really is. All of I just sort of hope it falls off in like a month or so, and we'll go from there. So, like we said yesterday, a uh, Ken Levick Alive PSA, get the damn COVID vaccine. Yeah. It is really as, as simple as that. I want to get to Sam Darnold, but before we do national championship last night, uh, it, it was really, compared to Saturday, there was no drama. I mean, this was a cakewalk for Baylor, and I had a feeling this might happen. I was on Josh Cohen and the home team yesterday and said I thought Baylor was stronger, tougher, matchup problems. Gonzaga just wouldn't be able to hang, and that is exactly what took place. Um, I, I wanted to bring this up because Scott Drew is a fascinating story story. I am a Valpo grad. Uh, He came to Baylor from Valpo. Uh, My freshman year at Valpo was Scott Drew's only year as the head coach at Valparaiso. He left late in the summer going into his second year because of all of the drama that was taking place at Baylor. Uh, And when he left, his father, Homer Drew, retook the head coach's job. Uh, It was Homer who was the coach when Bryce Drew hit the shot for Valpo in 98. 
and uh, Scott Drew left, and I remember someone uh, in the athletics department joking, oh, well, Homer's just going to keep his seat warm for when things fall apart at Baylor and Scott's back here as the head coach. And sure enough, that was 2003. Sure enough, 2021, he stays there, and nobody in college basketball now gets 20 years to work on something like Scott Drew did at Baylor. And a reminder... That man took over a program that was not going through a scandal related to paying players or fudging grades or giving cars and houses to parents. It was a murder scandal. He took over a program where one player killed another player and then the head coach was part of the cover-up. That is what Scott Drew took over and rebuilt literally from smoldering ash into a national champion. And so I have a, a very brief personal relationship with Scott Drew, but feel good for him and the Drew family. Uh, his brother Bryce, by the way, the one who hit the shot, uh, brought Valpo to the NCAA tournament as a head coach, brought Can- Grand Canyon to the NCAA tournament this year as a head coach. So great family, and congratulations to Scott Drew and everyone uh, with that Baylor program. So now let's talk about Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is no longer a New York Jet Uh, And if you ask anybody, it feels like it's because the Jets screwed up Sam Darnold. The, the, The Jets screwed Sam Darnold. And I'm seeing a lot of, man, I feel so bad for Sam Darnold. And man... Uh, he got jobbed, and what a what a, a devastating outcome for him. He just got taken by the wrong team, and so um, the 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 Jets give up Donald for three draft picks, three picks uh, from the Carolina Panthers. So this also means that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be on the move in Carolina as well. So again, Donald, the number three overall pick in 2018. What did the Panthers give up? Sixth rounder in the draft later this month second rounder and a fourth rounder in 2022 i'm actually shocked the jets got so much for sam darnold i mean that's a a superb job by the jets i thought that maybe give up a fourth and that's what you'd be able to get sam darnold for so the jets we know they're embarrassing i mean they're total trash baggery and they have been mike mccagnan awful general manager uh you look in the last uh, eight First-round picks of the Jets have either been traded or released. They're no longer with the franchise. Uh, Adam Gase, I know. I know. Weirdo. Says weird things. Never has command of the locker room going back to his time as head coach of the Dolphins. Admitted that he hadn't coached up Sam Darnold well and gotten him to a point to where he could mature as a quarterback. And then you have people like Mike Greenberg, who for months now have been on the poor Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold doesn't deserve this bandwagon. He has been the head of the Sam Darnold fan base with thoughts like this, which he shared on KJZ late last week on ESPN 106.3. It can't be worse than the Jets have been the last couple of years between the combination of Mike McCagnan and Adam Gase, who I think coached the Jets as badly as anyone I've ever seen do any job of any sort in any field or endeavor. So they have nowhere to go but up, and they have destroyed Sam Darnold. That's the tragedy of all of this. It's certainly a shame, at least for his perspective, is that they had a guy who three years ago was more highly anticipated, more highly touted than Zach Wilson is now, Every draft analyst we have, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, you ask any of them, Sam Darnold was a better prospect three years ago than Zach Wilson is now. 
The Jets turned him into someone that they'd be lucky to get a third-round draft pick for. And so, fine. Mike Greenberg has firmly been the Jets' destroyed Sam Darnold. And again, I know. Mike McCagnin, bad. Adam Gase, bad. Jets ownership, bad. Not a lot around uh, Adam Gase, uh, 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 around Sam Darnold at all. Those offensive lines, they were poor. But at what point do we give any blame whatsoever to Sam Darnold? Why are we making him this charity case when there are plenty of other quarterbacks who have gone through similar circumstances with awful franchises and have not received the same type of sympathy that Sam Darnold has? And a guy that comes to mind is David Carr. I mean, David Carr, he's a bust. And you heard, oh, the offensive line, not good with the Houston Texans. But he never got the, oh, now he can go reinvent himself. And he was dug such a hole and such a product of circumstance that, oh, man, I can't wait to see him get his second go around in the league, a fresh start. You never got that with David Carr. Sam Darnold is basically... And I know he's a nice guy. It seems like by by all accounts, he's a great guy. He's soft-spoken, good-looking kid. Uh, he's come through and been able to overcome some injuries. Um, but just because you like a guy doesn't mean that maybe he wasn't just over-evaluated. And maybe it just wasn't a miss on the Jets' part. And it wasn't a miss on the evaluators' part. I've never seen a quarterback get coddled and... It receives so little, so little blame for his problems than what Sam Darnold is getting right now. But I think that says more about the Jets and less about Darnold. Like, everyone just assumes, like, Jets fans are happy Darnold's gone. They're like, oh, we like the guy. Let him go be successful elsewhere. Like, that's all this feels like. I suppose. And I think there's a lot of frustration, yes, of course, with Adam Gase. Adam Gase was an embarrassment. He did a a very Uh poor job as head coach. I knew that was going to happen as soon as the Jets scooped him up inexplicably like hours after the Dolphins fired him. The front office has been extremely poor. But at some point, there's got to be personal accountability with a professional, with a quarterback, with a number three overall pick. This is from Danny Heifetz on Twitter. And uh, Danny Heifetz with Ringer and Spotify. Since Sam Darnold entered the NFL, and let's remember he was a starter in year one, the Jets ranked dead last in points, yards, yards per play, first downs, third downs converted, and third down percentage. Sam Darnold also ranked 30th amongst quarterbacks in passing accuracy thrown from a clean pocket in 2020. It's not Adam Gase's fault or Mike McCagnett's fault or the lack of weapons around uh, Sam Darnold that had him, quote, seeing ghosts as the Patriots picked him off over and over and over and over and over again. Adam Gase sucks. Mike McCagnett sucks. The Jets are a, a, a complete abject embarrassment in the landscape of the NFL. But can we at least admit that perhaps Sam Darnold's just not the guy? And as early as this season, this coming season, we might be able to find out and discover that he's not the guy. And you gave up three draft picks, and according to Ian Rappaport, the only team inquiring about Sam Darnold, as he put it, the, quote, sole suitor, were the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers spent weeks bargaining and dealing against themselves to a point where they gave up three draft picks for a guy who basically was on the trash heap. There were no other serious suitors for Sam Darnold. And if you remember, McLovin, after his rookie season, if you listen to New York media, 
if you read the papers, if you listened to New York radio, Sam Donald was the next coming. I mean, <laughs> he was Namath. He was O'Brien. He was wrapped into one. He was going to lead the Jets to great things. And this was a guy who a lot of his rookie season numbers were no better, if not worse, than Tua. And that's another thing I was thinking about this morning as well. Tua is widely criticized. Does not, it did not get any benefit of the doubt, especially from the media that covered the Dolphins. But Tua, better QBR as a rookie. Even in, just about even in yards per attempt as a rookie. Better touchdown interception ratio. And the same excuses that you heard for Sam Darnold, bad coaching. Didn't have weapons around him. What did you think Tua's rookie year was all about last year? If you want to equate terrible coaching, Chan Gailey, the offensive coordinator, legitimately looked like there was a separate playbook for Tua than there was for Ryan Fitzpatrick. He did Tua a disservice last year, which, yes, he retired. There's a reason, a real reason, Chan Gailey's not back as offensive coordinator for the Dolphins. No weapons. Tua was working with third-string tight ends and trash heap wide receivers in the final month of last season. Brian Flores didn't do Tua any favors pulling him in the fourth quarter of games last year in a season where he was supposed to be learning that Brian Flores got caught up in an unexpected playoff chase instead of actually developing the quarterback. So we can feel bad for Sam Darnold. Great kid. Has talent. But let's not act like none of what happened in his three seasons with the Jets are everyone else's fault and nothing falls on the shoulders of Sam Darnold. Who's most to blame now that we're in post-mortem Jets and Sam Darnold? Was it front office? Was it head coach? Was it Darnold himself? 888-760-3776, 888-760-ESPN, 888-760-3776. And you can also tweet at us at ESPN West Palm. But man, Tua, for a guy coming off of a, a horrific injury who was thrust into action last year, it's supposed to be a training year for him, supposed to be a year where he gets his legs under him, uh, no pun intended, uh, how we treat him and how he's been treated as up oh, bust go get another quarterback and it's fine if you can upgrade before all hell broke loose with Deshaun Watson that's that's a move that I would have made but now uh Ryan Fitzpatrick was the darling boy and Tua was up oh, this is just a liability I, we just not sure he has it but with Sam Darnold after his rookie year, where he struggled, 17 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Again, similar yards per attempt, lower quarterback rating than Tua. It was, here he comes, Sam Darnold. This man is going to revolutionize the Jets' quarterback position. It's just a weird dichotomy. And once you get that New York bandwagon behind you, it's tough to stop. Um, and I know that it's going to raise you to, to very, very high heights. But, man... Sam Darnold found a way to take the New York media and also have them in his pocket. It's incredible. I haven't seen anything like this in a long time. Yeah, it's weird also because the Dolphins haven't done anything to generate the benefit of the doubt. They have not earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to the quarterback position. 
So you can't say like, oh, well, they screw up this one. We'll just go get another one. Like, if anything, the Jets have been more successful successful the last two decades. Sure. They at least sure. had that run with Sanchez, which, you know, take it or leave it, you still got to a couple conference title games. So it's weird that two is in that boat. I think the coaching didn't help. Like you said, also, the pulling it, I think that adds to the fans bashing him. It was like, oh, see, the coaches don't even believe in him. Right. But I wonder with Darnold also, like, how much of it is that year two, that late run, like, after the mono They went 6-2 and, and two in the final eight yeah. games of 2019. When, granted, they had nothing to play for during that. Like, I feel like that's the thing that NFL teams are like, oh, see, he can do it, and maybe he can be a Ryan Tannehill to bring in the Dolphin comparison again. Yeah, and, and I know that injuries and the mono situation right. definitely did not help him, but... Man, you are you're taking an eight game sample size, and he wasn't right. brilliant no. through that six and two stretch at all, and he was really below average this past season. But yeah, in 2019, he threw for over 3,000 yards, by far his best ratio year, 19 touchdowns to 13 interceptions. But then he seemed to regress last year. He had the shoulder injury, but he seemed to take a step backwards. What what's what's wild about this to me for the Panthers and I know that 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 Darnold's going back to some familiar faces with the Panthers who were around him uh when things were at least looking promising for him, but you gave up three draft picks for a guy who is going to be your 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 starting quarterback like they're bringing him in to be the starter they're not doing this thing where you try and build him up and maybe he serves as a backup and takes some time and is able to finally get his confidence back up where is Sam Darnold's confidence right now when has he played like a confident quarterback he didn't play like a confident quarterback at all this past season and now an equal in Teddy Bridgewater I mean Teddy Bridgewater is as good if not better than Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has shown nothing in his career to show that he's better really in any aspect than Teddy Bridgewater, and they're going to kick Teddy to the curb in order to bring Sam Darnold in as the guy. He is the guy. He's not going in as the backup. It's a gamble, and to me, I think it's unnecessary, and we are, again, we're giving so much credit to Sam Darnold for a guy who, what has he shown? What has he actually shown? And yes, the Jets are a really difficult place to go succeed, but Sam Darnold has to take on some of the blame. He has to take some of the blame in all of this. Any other quarterback would, and for some reason, Sam Darnold is completely void of any blame placed on his shoulders. 888-760-3776, 888-760-ESPN. It's Ken Levick alive, along with Brian McLovin. Rowe. it's got you until uh, 1 o'clock. The FAU MBA Sport Management Program, that is your presenting sponsor of Ken Levick Alive. The FAU MBA Sport Management Program, they are a top program not only in the U.S., but also internationally as well. Over 20 years of putting people in jobs in the sports industry it is a vast field and we're not talking just about college students we're talking about maybe a 35 36 year old 40 year old you got two three kids you want a change of of job a change of career you've always wanted to work in sports this is for you all you have to do to find out any of what you have to do to be a part of the FAU MBA sport management program and learn from the best people in the sports industry is log on to FAU dot edu slash mba sport fau dot edu slash 
MBA Sports. So Sam Darnold's going to a new location, a chance for a fresh start after the Jets did him no favors, though I think that he deserves a bit of the blame as well. But what about established Hall of Famers? What about established Hall of Famers who have been with one team their entire career and that team that is not willing to commit long-term to said quarterback? Are the Packers really going to screw this up with Aaron Rodgers? We'll discuss it next. Along with Brian McLovin, Roa, I'm Ken Lavica. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. Broadcast. Spend your lunch with Ken by calling 888-760-3776. It's Ken Lavica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. Here's Ken Lavica and Chris Coquel. Coquel's off today. COVID shot number two for him. McLovin got his debut COVID vaccination today. Ken Levick alive, ESPN 106.3. Aaron Rodgers, is this going to be his last year with the Green Bay Packers? A prominent ESPN reporter thinks that that might be the case. Weigh in, 888-760-3776, 888-760-ESPN. Uh, the Masters opens up Thursday, and you'll hear leaderboard reports here on ESPN 106.3. Uh, McLovin, we have some tea times for, uh, or we have all of the tea yes, times. Yes, we do. But, uh, as far as the notable locals are concerned, the defending champion Jupiter resident Dustin Johnson, who has his Masters dinner tonight, uh, and uh, we're going to get uh, McLovin, the pickiest eater on the planet, his thoughts on the Masters dinner menu for uh, Dustin Johnson uh, later on uh, here on Ken Levick Alive. But when uh, when is DJ, who is he playing with? When's he going off Thursday? Uh, he's going off with Lee Westwood and Tyler Strafasi. I don't know who that man is. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that guy. Uh, 1030. <laughs> 10.30, okay. Uh, what about Brooks Kepka, who is inexplicably playing despite a knee procedure a couple of yeah, weeks ago? Yeah, apparently had a dislocated kneecap, so he's trying to go. A 10.06 schedule with Bubba Watson and Victor Hovland. And then what about uh, Rory? Rory, around the same time, 10.42. He'll be out there with John Rahm and Xander Shuffley. 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 Xander Shuffley. Xander, we'll call this him. Is, you spent four days straight uh-huh. at the Honda Classic, right? yep. and you are still just butchering it. Any anyone not from the United States, you are butchering their name. No, not even the United States. If they're not from Palm Beach <laughs> County, they don't matter. That's what it comes down to. Oh man, Ken Levickalai, Brian McLovin, Rowe. It's uh, out of retirement for one day here uh, before he goes back into the TV realm. Coquel will uh, will be back tomorrow. Uh, so Adam Schefter was uh, on KJZ yesterday. And uh, Alan Hahn and Bart Scott have been hosting it for the uh, last couple of days. And uh, Schefter was asked by Alan Hahn about uh, Aaron Rodgers and whether or not this could potentially be the final year for Aaron Rodgers because he's got three years left on the deal. But after 2021, it's only a $17 million cap hit if the Packers end up uh, getting rid of him. Either shipping him somewhere, or I mean, they're not going to release him. Ship him somewhere. That's a, it's just seventeen million dollar cap hit. And this is what Adam Schefter said yesterday again. KJZ here on ESPN one hundred six three. Is it likely that that Aaron Rodgers finishes his career in Green Bay, or how likely is it? I would say more likely than not, he won't. Again, you just look at it and look at how these quarterback situations have played out. Did Peyton Manning finish in Indianapolis? No. Did Tom Brady finish in New England? No. Did the Green Bay Packers draft a quarterback in the first round last year? Not only did they draft a quarterback in the first round last year, but they traded up to draft a quarterback in the first round 
last year. And all Aaron Rodgers did in response to that was go out and win the MVP this year. Are the Packers really going to screw this up? Are the Packers legitimately going to screw this up? And Schefter referenced Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Uh, I mean, both of those guys, two entirely different reasons why they went to play four different teams. Peyton Manning had the neck problem. Uh, the Colts ended up tanking, uh, had Andrew Luck in the wings, and so that was an easy decision uh, for them to uh, release Peyton Manning and let him go into free agency, eventually signed by the Denver Broncos. Tom Brady, he just had enough. Uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Like, he just he didn't want to deal with it anymore. Uh, like any long professional marriage, uh, sports marriage, it just sort of ran its course. He went down to Tampa, good situ- situation, obviously, won the Super Bowl. For Aaron Rodgers, it seems like this has been simmering for an awful long time, this question about, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Even before Jordan Love was in right. the equation. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that amplified uh, the noise surrounding that. But there is just a weird thing, and there has been a weird thing for a long time with Rodgers and the Packers. I mean, it goes back to even when Brett Favre was there, and that transition, which was extremely messy, took place. Aaron Rodgers has a lot of thoughts about a lot of things. He is a presence wherever he goes, especially in that locker room. He is influential. He is intelligent. People want to be around him. People want to talk to him. And he's going to talk back to them and tell them what he thinks. And I think that that rubs Packers people the wrong way sometimes. This would be so mind-numbingly stupid. Even if he's 38 years old, Aaron Rodgers is 38 years old, Tom Brady has completely changed the narrative on how long you can play. Drew Brees has completely changed the narrative into how long you can play. Peyton Manning was a shell of his former self. I mean, he wasn't even half of what he was when he was at the height of his powers, and he was still good enough to help a team to win a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers, if the Packers have any designs of releasing him, or, or, or trading him, I should say, after next year, because it's better for them financially. That's one of the the single most sledgehammer to your brain unconscionable decisions that you're going to make. And if I'm a team like the Dolphins, or if I'm a team in need of a quarterback, I would absolutely have the discussion about going to get a then 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers for three or four years. I don't think that there would be any hesitation on my part if the Packers screwed this up this badly. Yeah, but like this is who Rodgers is. Like we always see that with like the passive aggressiveness, like just the way he is as a person. Like this isn't surprising at all. And if you're the Packers and you believe in Jordan Love, like why not start over? But why? All right, I okay. And I obviously haven't seen the Packers practice. <laughs> no, okay? you're not I, watching them daily. <laughs> I don't see the Packers behind the <laughs> scenes. I don't know what it looks like up there uh, in Lambeau Land. All right. But from any account during training camp last year, and knowing what Aaron Rodgers is compared to sure. what I believe Jordan Love to be, you can't even rationally have this discussion. Like, you can't. This is Aaron Rodgers, who is as close to peak Aaron Rodgers at age 38 as you could possibly be, and then a guy who, yes, they moved up for, but really was sort of a stretch where they took him in Jordan Love. Well, what if, So if you look at Rodgers as a 10, and the defense of the other parts is, say, a 6, and then Jordan Love's a 6 or a 7, but you can upgrade those other things, doesn't that sort of balance out? 
I suppose, but you're talking about that 10 and that 6, that Rodgers and that love, those those numbers that you speak of, like that's as, like we're talking like a 10.9 compared to a 6.1, okay? Like there is a wide gap there. This is a future Hall of Famer who's not only a future Hall of Famer, this is a defending MVP future Hall of Famer yeah. as well. Going into his MVP defense season where you haven't uh, extended him, you haven't restructured his deal, you could have done it. You probably should have done it. That's what you do with Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers at 38 is significantly better than Drew Brees was at 38. And sure. the Saints did the right thing. But isn't it, from a management standpoint, isn't it exhausting to continually hear him take shots and criticize what you're doing in the offseason and just then beat Aaron Rodgers? Figure it out. Everyone else But they can't. <laughs> Like, that's the thing. They haven't in years. Uh, and, and that's a them problem, though. That's not Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has more than held up his end of the bargain. Yes. More than held up his end of the bargain. And so the Packers are going to have to step up at some point. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, though, too, like I wonder, maybe there are better opportunities elsewhere. Maybe Aaron Rodgers flat out tells the Packers, hey, you know what? Don't worry about it. Let's come <laughs> to some sort of agreement. And maybe he wants to test an open market, or maybe he wants to test trade waters. I wouldn't put it past him, or he's he just repl- wants to leave and go to Jeopardy. Or that, yeah. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me also, considering who he is, or he's just going to be the guy after Brady in Tampa. Could be. Like, Brady at, you know, 53, hangs it up, and then there goes Rodgers. Tampa's, Tampa's going to become uh, sort of like uh, with pro wrestlers, like <laughs> sort of the uh, fade into the sunset, try yeah. to have one last uh, exactly. chance at glory uh, before you call it quits. But from a pure Packers standpoint, I am very pro Aaron Rodgers. I know that he rubs people the wrong way. But from a Packers standpoint, the fact you haven't extended him, the fact you haven't restructured that contract, and the fact that uh, it's even being entertained in their minds that hey you know what that cap hit I think uh, that's a a pretty conducive thing to us maybe we should think about maybe Aaron Rodgers not being here I don't understand how you can (laughs) run a football franchise like that I get business but then I also live in a world I like to think of common sense and common sense dictates that Aaron Rodgers remains your quarterback no matter how far you moved up to go get a Jordan Love. 888-760-3776. 888-760-ESPN. It's Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, he is now uh, in the midst of what could be his next career, the host of Jeopardy. Yesterday, he took a little bit of a troll job, a look-at-me moment for a Jeopardy contestant. But that Jeopardy contestant may have been one-upped in the look-at-me department by a B-list actor. Who am I talking about? We'll find out next. He's Brian McLovin Rowitz. I'm Ken LaVica. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. It's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. Here's Ken and Coquel. My life be like... I absolutely love people who know how to draw cheap attention to themselves, and two guys perfected it yesterday. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. We are streaming on the free ESPN app. Don't forget on your smart speaker, hey Alexa, hey Siri, hey Google Play, ESPN 106.3. Chris Kokel off today. He'll be back tomorrow. Uh, had his second COVID shot. McLovin uh, went ahead and uh, was able to take Kokel's seat today, so uh, we appreciate that. So we were talking about Aaron Rodgers, McLovin, uh, and uh, he started yesterday his mm-hmm. stint as Jeopardy host. And uh, 
he did a pretty good job. I was really impressed. Not that I thought he was going to be an abject failure, um, but he was really smooth, and he's apparently very passionate uh, about this opportunity. But it came to final jeopardy yesterday, and the following took place as he was going contestant by contestant and asking them for their final answers. Scott, did you come up with the correct response? Who wanted to kick that field goal? <laughs> that is a great question. Should be should be correct, but uh, unfortunately for this uh, this game today, that's incorrect, and you're going to lose zero. So that's Scott Schufelt, who did not know the final Jeopardy answer, so instead trolled Aaron Rodgers on the NFC Championship game. Bold move by yeah. Scott. So let's just go through Scott Schufeld. And I don't know this man. <laughs> I, I've never heard of him in my life. And the reason I know of him now is because of that. And kudos to him. Because this is a guy who already has stories for years oh, with yeah. his family, his friends, by making it on Jeopardy. Then he's able to avoid who might be the most hated Jeopardy fill-in host of all time, Dr. Oz. And I don't know, McLevin, if you went down any of the, and I didn't know this existed, but there's Jeopardy Twitter. The Jeopardy Twitter warmed over the last two weeks. They hate (laughs) Dr. Oz. I mean, abhor Dr. Oz. That does seem like something you would do with your free time, though. I just couldn't believe it. I didn't know so much hate existed in Jeopardy world, but man, they hated Dr. Oz. This is a doctor, for God's sake. (laughs) And they wanted nothing to do with him. So you avoided the Dr. Oz tenure of Jeopardy hosting. So that's good enough in and of itself. But then you also get Aaron Rodgers, a future Hall of Famer, a Super Bowl champion. But that wasn't enough for Scott Schofield. That, all of those things, not enough. He also had to go super viral by taking a shot at Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in Final Jeopardy. So some would say too much. I say well done. Yeah. This Scott Schufeld. Especially on that show. Like, who else do you know out of the Ken Jennings of the world and, like, the other dudes whose names I can't think of right now? Like, show some personality. Like, good job by him. Hey, he got his. And yeah. for that, I respect it. But then, there's yesterday. And yes, FS1 is still a network that exists. You may have been wondering. It's still around. And undisputed, where Michael Rappaport made an appearance... Short Cliff Notes version. As you may recall, Michael Rappaport on Twitter last week said that Kevin Durant was soft. Thought that his response to a question on Inside the NBA was soft. Kevin Durant, who is soft and who is far and away the most sensitive professional athlete on the face of the planet, took exception to that, jumped into Michael Rappaport's DMs and proceeded to um, unleash a string of misogynistic uh, insults towards Michael Rappaport. Uh, also insulted Michael Rappaport's wife. Uh, but it wasn't over yet because Michael Rappaport, who again, bringing attention to himself like any good attention monger would, released all the DMs to all of his 2 million Instagram followers. So now Michael Rappaport and Kevin Durant's been fined by the NBA $50,000 for, uh, for those infractions and that language. Michael Rappaport is a victim. And he joined Skip and Shannon yesterday on Undisputed. Listen to this. It's been uh, it's been crazy. Uh, it's been tough. Um, 
you know, the last few days have been tough, have been crazy. I, I've gone out of the house and I get, you know, sneers and I get finger pointing and, 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 and I don't do good with sneers and snickers. And then I actually uh, went to the to the dog park with my dog. No, he's crying. And people that usually, you know, say hello and even play with my dog, they don't want to play play with my dog, Wheezy. And then, you know, I, I, I went to my coffee shop and they said, uh, not today, Cupcake. And it's weird. It's like, why are you? Why are you calling me cupcake? And then I get online and social media, and you know, I know I put it out there, but uh, you know, people online uh, have have been so so cruel and and mean. Yeah. So that happened yesterday. Again, that was um, to use the term loosely on national television yesterday. Yeah. And uh, Michael Rapaport is a lot of things. Um, he's overbearing. He's a trash talker. He's a culture vulture. Uh, he is pretty B-list. Um, but I think that's nice also. Going B-list? Yeah, he's probably closer to a C or maybe even yeah, a D-list. Yeah, yeah. You can call him B. That's fine. Um, Be friendly. He, um, he's a lot of things. But what I do appreciate uh, about the man is that, man, does he know how to draw attention to himself. So that's either A, uh, him acting, or B, a bit because there's no way that that's serious right there's no way that that's a real thing that he's experiencing or feels bad about like everything's going perfectly according to plan with michael rapaport right right like we're talking about him he's on tv no one is sneering at him because of something he did with kevin durant right that's Uh, not happening people love to play with my dog and they (laughs) they don't want to play with my dog wheezy I mean that there's no way that that was real. I'm not, not going to allow myself to get sucked into that Michael Rappaport. But much respect to you because sure. you have drawn a lot of attention your way. One by being a snitch. I mean, just a flat out snitch. But it's the most predictable thing in the world that Kevin Durant would be the one that gets caught up in a findable controversy, uh, sliding into the DMs of a CD list actor. Because again, Kevin Durant is. I have to agree with Michael Rappaport. Pretty soft uh, from an emotional standpoint. Oh, without a doubt. No one's arguing that. Michael Rappaport, what a, I mean, what a performance yesterday on Undisputed. That was pretty embarrassing, but again, I respect the hell out of it. All right, McLevin, uh, you are the pickiest eater of anyone that I've ever met. If you could, <laughs> could you just give the audience, and by the way, Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3 here Monday through Friday at noon, uh, could you give uh, those listening just an idea of what your ideal meal would be? Uh, usually involves chicken fingers, uh, some French fries, uh-huh. maybe throwing some pots, pasta or mozzarella stick, and I'm good to go. <laughs> yep. So I want, the, I, I want the, again, I want to re- re- reiterate to the audience what you just said. Chicken tenders, mm-hmm. okay, some pasta, mozzarella sticks, French fries. Yep, uh-huh. Those four foods are the staple of a <laughs> Brian McLovin Rowitz approved meal, okay? So now let's check out Dustin Johnson's Masters menu, okay? And the Masters Club dinner is tonight at Augusta National. Could we set the mood, uh, McLovin, with some uh, Masters course. music here? I just want to make sure that we are fully engrossed in Masters Week. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. By the way, how checked out 
was Jim Nance last night with like eight <laughs> minutes left to go. His mind was already at Augusta. Eight he, minutes le- eight minutes in, I think, is when he got to that point last night. He wanted nothing to do with uh, uh, the, the the final the final ten minutes of that game last night. He he was getting ready to go on the private jet. Yep. All right. So here's Dustin Johnson's menu. Now, me, I'm underwhelmed by this because to me, you could go to any chain restaurant and get what sure. Dustin Johnson has requested. Here are the appetizers, all right? So, McLovin, you tell me a yes or a no. Would you eat this? Pigs in a blanket. Definitely yes. Okay, that's a yes for McLovin. Lobster and corn fritters. I'll give that a try. Give it a try. Yeah. Okay. So, we're two for two. The appetizers, McLovin is all in on. The first course of house or Caesar (laughs) salad. So, I'll go house salad, but I also, when I say house salad, I mean lettuce and tomato. That's not a house salad. That's lettuce and tomato. <laughs> you, you put have to dressing have, on it. Wait, what's the de- to have a salad? You need more than one thing. On I've the got lettuce. two things. Yeah, I've got no, tomato on it. You can't. You don't put lettuce on lettuce. No, it's it's. There's got to be more than the tomato. Mm, but there's light lettuce and there's a the dark lettuce. Do you use salad dressing? Yeah, I use dressing. What kind? Uh, usually ranch. Okay, but you're out on the Caesar salad. Yeah, I'm good without that. <laughs> I'm going to give that a no okay. to the first course, okay? <laughs> but also, let's keep in mind how boring that is for a master's yeah, dinner. House salad and Caesar salad. There's no mention of any mandarin oranges, <laughs> no mention of any sunflower seeds, cheeses, any sort of uh, select vegetables. No. House salad or Caesar salad, <laughs> like you would get at any restaurant in the United right. States of America. Like a $3 side is what they'll charge you there. Exactly. I mean, it's Applebee's. Right. <laughs> Now a family-style side. Here are the family-style sides on Dustin Johnson's Master's Club menu. Again, McLovin, pickiest eater on the planet, said yes to the appetizers, no to the first course. Mashed potatoes. Yeah. Spring vegetables. Mm, Probably not. (laughs) Yeah, I had a feeling we were going to go one for two on that. (laughs) Uh, Now the main course. Filet mignon. Yeah, but it's not my first choice when it comes to steak. Do you put sauce on your filet mignon? Yes. <laughs> Come on. What? All right. That is almost downright offensive. I want the world to know that Brian McLovin Rowitz just announced that he would put, what, A1? Yeah, something like oh, that. No. Like, I wouldn't do, like, ketchup. So McLovin good, just right? said he's going to put A1 on filet mignon. <laughs> Could you imagine sitting at Butler Cabin at Augusta National with all of these pros around you, and you reach for A1 to put on your filet mignon? Just, just a little dab, not too much. I, those guys would drag you out <laughs> of there. Just drag you out of there. Uh, and also, miso marinated sea bass. No, that's, yeah, that's yeah, a big I'm no good, for yeah. McLovin. That's right. So, chicken tender McLovin is so far a yes to pigs in a blanket uh-huh. and lobster and corn fritters. No to the salads. <laughs> yes to mashed potatoes. Big no to spring vegetables. A yes, but with A1 sauce on your filet mignon. Right. And a fat, emphatic no on miso marinated sea bass. And now for dessert. Now, you may think, oh, well, McLovin loads up on dessert. Not the case. Uh, Also, wildly picky in dessert, and Uh I've seen this firsthand. (laughs) Peach cobbler. Nope. (laughs) Apple pie with vanilla ice cream. No, thanks. Wow. Nope. (laughs) So So McLovin would go to DJ's master's dinner, and he would sit down and eat pigs in a blanket, lobster and corn fritters, and filet mignon with A1 sauce. You got to load up on the app. Like, that sounds like a wedding menu. So you load up on the happy hour because you assume you're not going to like anything else the rest of the night. All right. So this brings me to Tiger Woods 2006 Masters menu. This is right up your alley. Quesadilla appetizers. Oh, yeah. With green salad. Just green salad. Oh, so my that guy, means Tiger. Just lettuce. 
Steak fajitas. Okay. Chicken fajitas. Beautiful. Uh, refried beans. Nah. All right. And then apple pie and ice cream. That's a no. But I feel like... Good job, Tiger. You could talk Tiger based on that menu because that's bar food in a mozzarella stick. Oh, with that. Or he'd let you bring your own. Right. Or just like a a brownie for dessert instead of the apple pie. So that legitimately went about how I expected (laughs) it to with McLovin absolutely striking down everything on Dustin Johnson's master's menu because again McLovin if it's not chicken tenders or french fries or mozzarella sticks or what am I missing pasta pasta chances are he's probably not eating it he's Brian McLovin Rowitz I'm Ken Levicka we're going to check in with Chris Kokal when we return I'm Ken Levicka I'm live on ESPN 106.3 here's Ken Levicka I'm still trying to get over the A1 sauce on filet mignon. Good Christ, McLovin. I'm over a sirloin guy. <laughs> well, maybe maybe next year we maybe. can get that on the Masters yeah. menu. Ken Levick alive. He's Brian McLovin. Row. It's one day and one day only. Coquel is back tomorrow, uh, apparently. And uh, we're going to talk to Coquel in just a moment. The uh, second COVID vaccination shot uh, went well. Don't forget that you can listen to Ken Levick alive if you missed anything. Uh, wherever... You get your podcast. All you have to do is subscribe, rate it, but we're there for you. It's free, the Ken Levick Alive podcast, up shortly after we wrap up every day at 1 o'clock on ESPN 106.3. Uh, let's go in, uh, or let's go out and uh, and check on Chris Kokel, okay? Uh, because also, too, what I want to address, as uh, you may have heard yesterday, uh, with Major League Baseball moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta, uh, we have uh, reached out to Donald Trump to see if he wants to come on the show to talk about his thoughts on the All-Star Game leaving Atlanta. So, uh, Coquel is in charge of that. Uh, Coquel, uh, have we heard back from Donald Trump? No, first I want to apologize for not coming in today. I felt better after the vaccine, but uh, I hit some traffic that I didn't see coming, so I was not able to get to the studio. I thought about coming in, but the traffic got away. Okay, all right, good. Mr. Donald Trump... He has not responded yet. Okay, all right. So that's a no on Donald Trump. We'll try again uh, tomorrow. Uh, you're a Jets guy. How do you feel about Sam Darnold? I think Darnold is going to do great in Carolina, but what it means for the Jets is even better because now the Jets have five first rounds. Okay, all right. That's yeah, enough. Yeah. I didn't really <laughs> I didn't care to hear uh, him talk about the Jets at all. Um, okay, all right. So He's still going, by the way. Even though you're talking, he's still going. What's he is he is he really still going? Yeah. All right. I think he finally stopped. Okay. All right. All right. No, no. Bye, Coquel. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you. Tomorrow. Is he really still going? Is did he finally hang up? Yeah, he's still going. They can, they can get different all right, players. all right, bye. Okay, bye. All right, so uh, I want to make sure, too, that I throw this out to you because there are two weeks within this week. It is Masters Week, uh, as we know, and it is also WrestleMania Week, and you're the perfect person, McLovin, to uh, to ask this. Uh, what are you more excited for? Is it Masters Week? Is it Augusta? Is it the Azaleas? Is it the first Masters in two tournaments that's being played finally in the month of April when it should be? Or... Is it fans returning to WrestleMania, a WrestleMania without The Undertaker for the first time in decades? Yeah, uh, it's definitely Mania Week. Masters without Tiger, like, it's hard. Like, I'll be watching this weekend, but it's hard not to have that one person to pull for. And even Mania, like, I'm not even that into this weekend, but Hall of Fame tonight, NXT the next two nights, like, I'm excited about that. So, do you sit down and actually watch the entire Hall of Fame ceremony? Yeah, why not? (laughs) Who's getting inducted again this year? Uh, so it's actually two classes. Oh. Uh, it was supposed to be Batista. They somehow just, I think, hopefully forgot about him. I guess his schedule didn't work out. But 
Kane, Eric Bischoff, the NWO, the Bellas. Uh, who else we but got? Don't the Bellas still wrestle sometimes? No, nah, they're pretty banged up. Uh, Molly Holly, I believe, is going in. Okay. Uh, William Shatner on the celebrity wing. <laughs> <laughs> the celebrity wing. Yes, there's a celebrity wing that includes the former president. Yes, yeah. yes, um, uh, that includes uh, the man that we're trying to book for right. the show. Yes, uh, I think that's pretty much it. There's some others I can't think of. So wait, Batista's schedule didn't work, and that's why he's <laughs> not going into the Hall of Fame. Could you imagine? Like, uh, <laughs> it, it, Canton comes calling, a knock on your door, uh, and uh, say, I don't know, like it's Michael Irvin, and he's like, Oh, thank you. This is the defining moment of my life. I've worked my entire existence for this. I can't wait to be inducted into the hall of fame and you see the date and you're like i no no you know what you know what i got a commercial shoot that day or uh i've got a bat mitzvah to go to i'm not going to be able to make it could we uh, reschedule for next year or a couple of years after that like are they going to re-induct bautista when he can actually show up to the hall of i fame? assume so because like he was part of last year's class and what they do is they then they just stop including him in advertisements and just hope people don't remember that like they don't acknowledge it ever but he was one of like the marquee guys from last year and it's like <laughs> I oh, know. I guess it doesn't work out this year. Oh, that is hilarious. What's the main event at WrestleMania? Uh, it's, a, it's two nights. So you oh, got, that's uh, right. They're doing that again. Yeah, Roman Reigns versus Edge versus Daniel Bryan and uh, Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. Isn't Bobby Lashley the WWE champion now? He is, yes. How did that happen? Uh, that's the whole story. But it will be cool to see fans. Like that first entrance on Saturday night to see fans actually get excited. It's going to be full? Uh, 25%, which like that was the whole thing. And where? Uh, Raymond James. Oh, okay. So it's basically it's the, the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl numbers. Yeah. yeah. But there was a point when the UFC announced they were selling out. There was talks of like Vince saying, no, 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 I want to be first. But I think somehow someone got in his head. Uh, so Chris Coquel said WrestleMania week. McLovin says WrestleMania week. I will try and find someone tomorrow to balance that <laughs> out and actually have some thoughts on Masters week. Thank you to Brian McLovin Rhodes for hanging out with us, making sure this went off today. I'm Ken Levicka. Coquel is back tomorrow. I'm Ken Levicka. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.